At the end of this episode, I will announce a giveaway for an autographed historical document, and I will also make an announcement regarding the future of this podcast. Stick around until the end for more information. Eight presidents of the United States have died in office. William Henry Harrison from pneumonia in 1841, Zachary Taylor from cholera in 1850, Abraham Lincoln from assassination in 1865, James Garfield from assassination in 1881, William McKinley from assassination in 1901, Warren Harding from a heart attack in 1923, Franklin Roosevelt from cerebral hemorrhage in 1945, and John F. Kennedy from assassination in 1963. Some of these deaths have occurred under very suspicious circumstances, leading them to be the subjects of conspiracy theories. One confirmed conspiracy ring was that surrounding Lincoln's assassination. Led by Maryland actor John Wilkes Booth, who fatally shot Lincoln, the president was killed with the help of a network of Confederate sympathizers, including German-born repairman George Atzerodt, who failed to kill Vice President Andrew Johnson, Alabama Civil War veteran Lewis Powell, who failed to kill Secretary of State William Seward, D.C. pharmacy clerk David Harold, who guided the conspirators through the city, and D.C. innkeeper Mary Surratt, who supplied the conspirators with handguns. Booth would be killed in a shootout with Union troops, while the other four conspirators would be executed by hanging. Although not an assassination, the abrupt death of Warren Harding has also been subject to skepticism. Harding's wife Florence refused to allow his body to be autopsied and burned most of her husband's personal documents immediately after his death for unknown reasons. These irregularities, combined with Harding's involvement in numerous political corruption scandals and extramarital affairs, led to widespread theories that there was foul play at hand in Harding's death. No presidential death conspiracies, however, come anywhere close to the most infamous of these, surrounding the assassination of John F. Kennedy. On November 22, 1963, President John F. Kennedy arrived in Dallas, Texas for a luncheon at the Dallas Market Center. At 11.40 a.m., Kennedy boarded a Lincoln Continental convertible limousine along with U.S. First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy, Texas Governor John Connolly, Texas First Lady Nellie Connolly, and two Secret Service agents. After driving approximately 10 miles into downtown Dallas, the motorcade reached Dealey Plaza around 12.30 p.m. As President Kennedy's limo passed by the Texas School Book Depository, three rifle shots rang out. By the time all three shots were fired, Governor Connolly had been hit in the torso, wrist, and thigh, while President Kennedy had taken one bullet through the throat and another that blew open his skull. Half an hour later, Kennedy was pronounced dead at Parkland Memorial Hospital in Dallas. That same day, former U.S. Marine Corps sniper Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested for the murders of President Kennedy and Dallas police officer J.D. Tippett. Two days after the assassination, Oswald was shot dead by Dallas nightclub owner Jack Ruby. 
the bizarre nature of Kennedy's assassination, from the high number of bullet wounds for the number of rounds fired, to Oswald's apparent lack of a motive, to his abrupt murder two days later, raised many suspicions surrounding the event. Some conspiracy theorists have postulated that certain actors within the government were involved in killing Kennedy. One idea holds that Vice President Lyndon Johnson, who was sworn in as president within two hours of the assassination, had Kennedy taken out so that he could usurp the presidency. Another theory accuses the Soviet and Cuban governments of being involved in the murder, as Oswald was reportedly an avowed communist sympathizer. Perhaps the most intricate of these theories puts the blame on the CIA, an institution that Kennedy had allegedly planned to rein in and divert funding from. Although Kennedy assassination theories are overwhelmingly baseless, the CIA involvement theory remains relatively popular, in part due to a matter of business that remained unfinished by those tasked with investigating the assassination for almost three decades afterwards. I'm going to tell you all about it right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 99th episode of this podcast, and I am truly thankful that you have been listening for so long. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara, Cameron Sherman, Scott Sherman, David Kahn, Lisa Chase, and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Spotify for Podcasters. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Spotify for Podcasters. On November 29th, 1963, one week after the assassination of John F. Kennedy, President Lyndon Johnson established the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy in order to investigate the event. This body was chaired by Supreme Court Chief Justice Earl Warren, leading it to be nicknamed the Warren Commission. The other members of the commission were Georgia Senator Richard Russell Jr., Kentucky Senator John Sherman Cooper, Louisiana Representative Hale Boggs, Michigan Representative and future U.S. President Gerald Ford, former CIA Director Alan Dulles, and former World Bank President John J. McCloy, who was raised in Hightstown, New Jersey. After almost a year of meetings, the final report of the Warren Commission was presented on September 24, 1964. It found that Lee Harvey Oswald, acting entirely alone, fired all three shots from a Carcano M38 rifle on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository. The concerns over the high number of bullet wounds were explained by the single bullet theory presented by Philadelphia District Attorney and future Pennsylvania Senator Arlen Specter. According to this theory, the first shot missed the limo entirely, the second shot passed through Kennedy's throat and Connolly's torso and wrist before lodging in his thigh, and the third shot ruptured Kennedy's skull. 
Spector's single bullet theory was very heavily disputed by Russell, but Warren refused to add a footnote to the report indicating Russell's disagreement. Boggs, meanwhile, criticized the fact that Dulles, who had been fired as CIA director by Kennedy, was allowed to sit on the commission. In 2014, it would be revealed that the CIA had withheld information from the Warren Commission, mainly regarding the Kennedy administration's assassination attempts against Cuban leader Fidel Castro. In 1976, a CBS poll found that 81% of Americans disagreed with all or part of the Warren Commission's report. One piece of evidence the Warren Commission failed to consider was a photograph published by the Dallas Morning News, Dallas Times-Herald, and Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Shortly after the assassination, three men, referred to as the Three Tramps, were photographed under police escort walking away from the Texas School Book Depository. The photo of the three tramps flew under the radar until 1968 when it resurfaced during New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison's investigation of the assassination. However, it was not until 1974 that the first identification of suspects took place due to news breaking on the Watergate scandal. After it was revealed that agents of the Nixon administration had been breaking into and wiretapping the Democratic National Committee's headquarters, tabloid newspapers began to claim that two of the three tramps bore resemblances to E. Howard Hunt and Frank Sturgis, two of the Watergate burglars. Both men were also former CIA agents, so the matter was turned over to the Rockefeller Commission, which was investigating unrelated controversial CIA activities. The Rockefeller Commission also investigated allegations that the CIA had prior contacts with Lee Harvey Oswald and or Jack Ruby. On June 11, 1975, the Rockefeller Commission issued its report that, among other things, absolved the CIA of any involvement in the assassination. The report found that although two of the men resembled Hunt and Sturgis, forensic facial identification efforts had fallen short of the threshold to confirm their identities. Additionally, the Rockefeller Commission found that the CIA had never been in contact with either Lee Harvey Oswald or Jack Ruby. However, this would not be the end of speculation regarding the identities of the three tramps. In 1982, a new suspect emerged as potentially one of the three tramps. In September of that year, Texas hitman Charles Harrelson, who was interestingly the father of Woody Harrelson, was arrested for the murder of federal judge John H. Wood Jr. Harrelson is believed to have carried out the assassination on the orders of high-profile drug trafficker Jimmy Chagra. After being arrested, Harrelson, who was reportedly high on cocaine, admitted to killing both Wood and John F. Kennedy. Harrelson said that he had been contracted by the CIA to kill Kennedy, drawing an intricate map of where he claimed to have shot Kennedy from and then hid. Dallas mobster Russell Douglas Matthews later claimed that Harrelson was affiliated with Jack Ruby, whose nightclub was allegedly frequented by organized crime figures. 
The pool of potential suspects expanded in September of 1991, while private investigator John Craig was looking into the 1965 double murder of an elderly couple who were found dismembered in their refrigerator in Houston, Texas. The prime suspect, the couple's son Charles Rogers, had gone missing immediately after the murders. Craig wrote that he believed Rogers had been a CIA operative who was another one of the three tramps alongside Harrelson. Three months after the Craig report, Kentucky-born author Chauncey Holt also came forward claiming that he was the third of the tramps. According to Holt, Harrelson and Rogers were the sharpshooters who fired at President Kennedy from the grassy knoll of Dealey Plaza, while Holt himself was tasked with delivering fake Secret Service credentials to them. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the FBI never looked into the theory involving Charles Harrelson, Charles Rogers, and Chauncey Holt, citing a lack of solid evidence implicating the three. This was also supplemented by the testimony of a Houston police officer who had worked on the Rogers double murder case. He said that it was extremely unlikely that Rogers had ever been affiliated with the CIA. Harrelson would ultimately serve a life sentence for the murder of Judge Wood, Rogers was declared dead in absentia, and Holt would continue to promote conspiracy theories related to the assassination until his death in 1997. February of 1992, Houston journalist Mary LaFontaine unearthed the Dallas police records from the day of John F. Kennedy's assassination. These records noted the arrest of three homeless migrant workers who were on a train about to depart from a rail yard near Dealey Plaza. Initially detained by Dallas police immediately after the assassination, the three men, who were passing through Dallas in search of employment, were released after four hours. The three men were identified as Gus Abrams, Harold Doyle, and John Gedney. Many conspiracy theorists were skeptical that the three men in the photograph were homeless drifters because they appeared to be well-dressed and clean-shaven. Less than a month after LaFontaine published her findings in the Houston Post, the FBI had tracked down the surviving suspects. Abrams was found to have died back in 1987, and his sister corroborated that he had spent his adult life as a train hopper. Doyle and Gedney were both questioned by the FBI, and they each independently told the same story. The three tramps spent the night before the assassination at a Dallas homeless shelter, where they received donated clothing and had a chance to shower, hence their less disheveled appearance. Doyle in particular also claimed to have known about the widespread circulation of the photograph, but never came forward, stating, quote, I am a plain guy, a simple country boy, and that's the way I want to stay. I wouldn't be a celebrity for $10 million. The FBI was satisfied with the explanations given by Abrams' sister, Doyle, and Gedney, and thus the mystery of the three tramps appeared to be solved. The only Warren Commission member alive by the time the three tramps were identified was Gerald Ford, who had served a partial term as president since the commission's disillusion. On June 8, 1998, Ford released the following statement, quote, In 1964, the Warren Commission unanimously decided, one, Lee Harvey Oswald was the assassin, and two, the commission found no evidence of a conspiracy foreign or domestic. 
As a member of the commission, I endorsed these conclusions in 1964 and fully agree now as the sole surviving commission member. As you may have figured out, the next episode of Historia Obscura will be the 100th episode of this podcast. With a heavy heart, I've decided to make that episode the final episode of Historia Obscura. I cannot even begin to express my gratitude to all of you who have been listening to this podcast of mine for so long. In order to celebrate this upcoming milestone, I will be giving away an autographed note of the very statement by Gerald Ford that I read to conclude this episode. This note is in excellent condition and is signed by the one and only Gerald Ford. If you want to win this piece of history, follow the instructions in the description of Historia Obscura's most recent Instagram post. Best of luck to all who entered this giveaway, and I'll be back in two weeks with the 100th and final episode. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.